Well, our reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 5 and verses 12 to 26. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. One day, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Thanks be to God. I love these two stories of healing that Keith brought to us, read to us so well, because I think they tell us so much about Jesus, just in those few verses that we can read. I think it's very easy for us in our 21st century context to sometimes read that healing of the man with leprosy as just another healing, one of many, that Jesus performed. But actually the fact that Jesus, who is a holy teacher, even went close to somebody with leprosy, who is considered not only physically very unclean and highly contagious, but also spiritually unclean, Everyone with leprosy had to go and live in the wilderness. They weren't allowed anywhere near holy places. But Jesus, this holy teacher, not only goes close to the man, but actually he reaches out and touches him. 
Can you imagine the healing that must have happened for that man at that moment? Yes, the incredible and miraculous physical healing, but also the emotional healing, that somebody like Jesus would touch him, would accept him, would listen to him and care for him enough to actually be there for him. How wonderful. Now, I think sometimes when we look at the world around us and we hear our news and the prayers that we heard earlier, the uncertainty and the fear that we have with Brexit and Donald Trump and all sorts of things going on, famines and earthquakes, it's very easy these days to feel quite overwhelmed because we have so much information. There's so many bad things happening and it can actually just make us feel disempowered. And when we look at leprosy, we might think, well, we're very grateful for the nurses and the doctors who have the skills to help, but we're just ordinary people. What can we do? But that brings us on to the second story that we heard of the healing of the paralysed man. It's a great story of faith and determination on behalf of the paralysed man's friends. And we assume that they were just ordinary people like us. But they didn't just go around and make their paralysed friend a cup of tea and hope that they were feeling better. When they heard about Jesus, they decided to take the man on his mat and carry him all the way to the house where Jesus was. Now, we don't know how far that was that they had to carry him. I don't know about you, I sometimes pick up a box and think, oh yeah, this will be all right, I can take this over to the hall or whatever it is it's going. And then as you go along, it kind of feels heavier and heavier. I don't know if it was like that as they carried the paralysed man on his mat. We don't know how many of them there were. But then not only do they get him to Jesus, but when they can't get into the house, they don't just go, oh, sorry, mate, we did try to get you to Jesus, but we can't get in. They try and get him in through the windows, and they can't get there. So they climb up onto the roof with him. We don't know how difficult that was logistically. Make a hole in the roof and then lower him in. They're so determined to get their paralyzed friend to Jesus. I'm sure the man whose house it was maybe wasn't too pleased to have the hole in his roof. But it really is a wonderful, remarkable act of kindness and dedication on behalf of that man's friends. They were just ordinary people like us. But their faith and love enabled their friend to be healed emotionally by having his sins forgiven as well as physically. If we contrast that with the story before it in the gospel, the man with leprosy was alone because people with leprosy so very often are alone because they are rejected and stigmatized today just as they were in Jesus' time. No one took his arm and supported him as he hobbled over to see Jesus. No one picked him up when he fell down in front of Jesus in desperation. We still so often find people with leprosy who have been hidden away for years. Can you imagine the shame and rejection you must feel being seen as a curse to your own family? That emotional trauma is just as bad as the physical disease. Could we have the PowerPoint up, please? Thank you. So it's ordinary people like you that are standing beside leprosy-affected people. You're taking their hands and you're bringing them to Jesus. So I want to thank you so much for the generous contribution that you made to last year's World Leprosy Sunday Appeal, which Pauline mentioned in her update. This is the picture of the groundbreaking ceremony with the two superintendents breaking the ground. The land has now been cleared and all the problems that we had with the local government around the land has all been dealt with. So it's very exciting and £320,000 was raised 
which will not only pay for that wonderful new outpatients department, which you probably heard last year, it's the, the facilities at the moment are so overcrowded and so dilapidated, this is so needed, but it will also pay for a new staff quarters and the new equipment, so we can actually really provide a wonderful service to the thousands of leprosy-affected people that come to that hospital. So thank you so much for that. But today, I'd like to take you to Niger, which is where I was honoured to visit with the leprosy mission in August. Now, I always put a map up, because before I was asked to go to Niger, I really didn't know where it was, because it isn't somewhere that we hear about. It's actually the second poorest country in the world. It's just above Nigeria there. 80% of it is desert. There's 21 million people that live in Niger, but over 70% of them can't read or write. It's a harsh, dry, very tough place to live with frequent droughts and food shortages. I visited the village of Danja, which is where our leprosy mission hospital is. It's the only leprosy facility in Niger and it also serves the northern half of Nigeria. There's about 9,500 people that live in the village now. It used to be a tiny village, but because people came to the hospital and then they couldn't go home because they'd been rejected by their families, they stay living in the village because it's somewhere that they know that they can be accepted as well as receive the health care that they need. So the village has really outgrown um, its resources, not that there were very many in the first place. Um, we did put in a water well some years ago, but it's one water well that serves the hospital and the village and in times of water shortages, it's often locked, so the children can wait for many hours with their water carriers, as you can see there, just waiting for the water to be put on again. But it's a very basic place, um, but wonderful things are happening there because of the work of the leprosy mission. For many of those with leprosy, their only option, really, before we came there was to beg in nearby towns, Many of the children act as carers for their parents and grandparents. Secondary schools in Niger, of course, are fee-paying, and very many girl students particularly drop out, either because they're carers or because they marry so young. Niger has got the highest incidence of child brides in the world, so a quarter of girls are married by the age of 15. I don't know about you, I have a 17-year-old and a 21-year-old, and the idea that they would be married so young is, is really quite shocking. So they have no education, no job prospects, nothing at all. So if you can imagine how people with leprosy fare in a country like Niger, because they really are the lowest of the low, and there are so few resources anyway, even for the able-bodied. But I'd like to bring you a film now, which just shows you some of the work that we are doing in Niger to change people's lives. It's early evening in Danja, a small town in southern Niger. A large number of leprosy-affected families struggle to survive here. Many exist in extreme poverty. Most have at least one family member living with a lifelong disability. Survival is a huge struggle for the strongest and the fittest in Niger. In the fierce, burning heat, it's usual to walk several miles to fetch water. Crops are hard to grow in the sun-scorched earth, and there are few opportunities to earn a living. In the very poorest part of Danja, 
three generations of the same family get ready for their basic evening meal. Beneath their smiles, this family are tragically wrapped in the chains of leprosy. I used to be very beautiful. I had many suitors when I was young, but not anymore. When I caught leprosy, my life changed completely. I was thrown out of my home. I had to beg for a living. Now I'm blind as well. Habsu's daughter, Mariama, didn't catch leprosy, but was considered tainted and dirty because her parents had leprosy. Her life has been devastated by the poverty and the discrimination forced upon her from an early age. When I was very young, my mother went away to beg and left me with an aunt. My aunt was very cruel. She made me work very hard and would often beat me. I never went to school. I was treated like a slave. When I was 15, my mother introduced me to a much older man. Not only was he older, but he had suffered from leprosy. I didn't want to marry him, but I had no choice. Mariama's greatest fear is that her daughter, Saudi will suffer the same fate. Saudi is a bright and vivacious eight-year-old girl with high hopes of training to be a nurse when she grows up. She should have a whole life ahead of her, but as the child of a leprosy-affected family, she faces a lifetime of hardship and discrimination. Each day she helps her mother with chores as best she can, but unless something changes... Saudi will never get a proper education, never earn a decent living, never achieve her hopes and dreams. And not only Saudi, across Africa, thousands of leprosy-affected children are trapped in poverty. These children are the innocent casualties of this terrible disease. But they are not forgotten. The Leprosy Mission has a plan to rescue these children and their families from the chains of leprosy. Leprosy Mission staff are already working in communities across Niger, providing the expertise and knowledge that can change their lives. They just need your support. My name is Helen Walton. I work for the Leprosy Mission and I've come to Niger to find out how children like Saudi can be rescued from a life of unnecessary hardship. first step starts here. At self-help care groups organised by the Leprosy Mission, adults and parents affected by leprosy are brought together to share their experiences. They're encouraged to stand up for their rights, to not feel ashamed of their condition and to take back control of their lives. This is brilliant seeing people's lives transformed because they come together to support each other, to boost their self-esteem, to regain their dignity so they can go back into their communities with their heads held high. Next, I'm going to visit a leprosy-affected mother who's been given the means to work herself out of poverty, thanks to the leprosy mission.
Aisha was taught how to use a sewing machine at a leprosy mission training centre. She is now an accomplished seamstress, earning a living that supports both herself and her family. This is how we can transform lives, by providing income generation opportunities for every family, giving them a hope and a future, giving them a life worthy of living. And do you make these dresses for the women in the village? Finally, we want to ensure that every leprosy-affected child can go to school. We know that a good education reduces poverty, increases income and gives children a better chance for a long and happy life. Jesus came that they may have life and have it to the full. Will you help us give every leprosy-affected child the fullness of life they so rightly deserve? Will you help us break them free from the chains of leprosy today? Together, we can help Saudi and other children like her to fulfill their dreams for the future. Jesus came to give us life in its fullness and abundance. Help us to do the same for Saudi today. For as little as £3 a month, you can help a child like Saudi. Together, we can give them a hope and a future. Please give now before another child is lost to the shadow of leprosy. Your prayers and your donations will transform lives. Thank you. So that's the reality for many people affected by leprosy in the very poorest countries in the world today who really don't have any friends except for other leprosy-affected people. So they need somebody to help them, to give them a simple dignity, somebody to offer them healing and education, an opportunity to work and be self-sufficient, and an opportunity to draw near to Jesus. And that's just what we are doing at the Leprosy Mission. We do all we can to offer physical, emotional and spiritual healing to people affected by leprosy. This man you see here on the slide, Bukhari, I met him the day after he'd had his leg amputated due to infected sores caused by leprosy. And when I asked him if he had a message for supporters in the UK, he said, tell them they're saving lives. I have had three operations at this hospital and I would not have been able to afford any of them. You have saved my life. What an honour it is that through working with partners in leprosy-affected countries, we can provide the multi-drug therapy that cures leprosy, as well as amazing reconstructive surgery that can restore sight and unclaw hands. But just as importantly, we can also offer that love and acceptance for people who have been rejected, just as Jesus did when he reached out and touched that leprosy-affected man who came to him. Dr. Paul Brand, who pioneered that tendon transfer technique that I was explaining to the children, tells the story of how he had to tell a man with leprosy that he needed to have his leg amputated because of the effects of the disease. So he put his arm round him as he told him. And the man burst into tears. And Dr. Brand said to him, I know I'm, I'm, it's awful to lose a leg, I'm so sorry, but we will have you fitted with a prosthetic limb and we will, with physio, help you to walk again. And the man said, oh, that isn't why I'm crying. I've known for ages that my leg is useless. I'll be glad to get rid of it. I'm crying because you put your arm around me and nobody has touched me for 20 years. Now, that, to be able to offer that basic love and care for people, what an honour it is. 
And that's exactly what you do when you partner with us. You put your arms around people affected by leprosy. So the challenge for us today and the privilege for us today is to be such a friend to the man or woman, boy or girl living with leprosy today, to stand with them and take their hand and bring them to Jesus. Maybe not in a crowded house as the friends of the paralyzed man did, but in a hospital, in a school, a vocational training center, wherever Jesus is today represented by the leprosy mission. We are called to show that same determination to help transform a life. The verse that we use for this Niger campaign is John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Too many people's lives have been needlessly wrecked by leprosy, but we can help to bring that healing. And when we do, may people all over the world respond in the same way as the people who saw Jesus heal the paralyzed man, where we read, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Now your money can go a long way in a place like Niger. So for only three pounds a month, which is really just the cost of a coffee in Starbucks these days, isn't it? You can actually send a child like Saudi to school for a year, which is just amazing. And we so value this long-term support for people who are able to set up a direct debit. You have one inside your flyer. It's got a picture of Sourday on the front. Or do give whatever you can in the envelopes that you were all handed as you came in. £200 pays for a leprosy-affected person to go through a full vocational training course, like Aisha had the sewing course that we saw on the video. So if 20 of you can give £10 today, we can send somebody on that course. How amazing. What a brilliant way to transform a life and to give a family an income and a livelihood. So we're so grateful to you all for being part of our community of supporters. Thank you to our church reps here, and of course to Ian and Pauline that do so much to tell you about our work. But we would also ask you to please continue to pray for us, because all of our work has always been underpinned by prayer. Wellesley Bailey, who founded the Leprosy Mission in the 1880s, said, the mission was birthed and cradled in prayer, and we really have seen some incredible transformations that couldn't have happened by human resource alone through the power of prayer. Um, we have brought prayer diaries with us. Do pick one up on your way out if you don't have one. They're free. And they just help us to pray through the year and tells you more about the work of the leprosy mission. And we also want to share the good news of Jesus with the people we work with so that we're bringing spiritual healing to people too. All of our hospitals have daily prayers, which staff and patients, many of them, come to. And in Niger, we met the pastors who actually go bed to bed in the hospitals, asking people if they want to know about Jesus. And wonderfully, many people do. It really is fantastic to see that transformation. And you can imagine how it is for our staff, who are battling against so much, as Pauline showed you, the staff in the Nandaban working in the open air when the hurricane struck, there's so few resources, it's such a difficult place and difficult territory to work in. But knowing that people in the UK are praying for them, that is really fantastic for our staff. So please do keep praying for them. That's so appreciated. So how amazing that we, together, can break through the roof of despair, shine light into people's lives, giving hope to people affected by leprosy. So let us be sure that we keep looking to our wonderful saviour who can heal and transform lives. 
And when he calls us to bring that transformation to the least of our brothers and sisters, I pray that we will echo the words that Jesus spoke to the leprosy-affected man. I am willing. Be clean. Amen. <laughs>